Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey folks, it's that time of year to be shooting your bow in preparation for the fast approaching opening day of archery season here in Pennsylvania. If you haven't been down to Williams Archery Pro Shop and Indoor Range yet, get off the couch and head down to Edinburgh, PA. They've been in business for 29 years and they specialize in bow tuning and hands-on shooting lessons. It's a family-owned bow dealership who offers Hoyt, PSE, Bear, Parker, and more. Don't forget your archery accessories and arrows when you stop in to see Ron and Linda Williams. Give the shop a call at 724-667-9660. And make sure you tell them you heard about Williams Archery on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast, and they will get you set up. Welcome to episode 13 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and join me today in the Rack Shack, and always, Charles Hedlund. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's been a great week. We got to do some hunting. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I'm ready for this Saturday. Well, in podcast land, it already happened, but... You know, opening day when we recorded this is coming up in a couple of days, and I am just thrilled. I am thrilled as well. I like that look in your eye right now. Oh, you, man. You're glistening. It's fiery. It's, it's fiery. fiery. I, this is what we wait for all year long, man. Absolutely. You know, this is what we're here. This is why we got into a hunting podcast, you know. I can't wait to get in and, and talk about our hunts and, you know, discuss maybe our hunt that we had last Saturday, and, and it's just, it's getting me fired up. Absolutely. <laughs> We didn't get it done on Saturday. No. We actually sat a skunker, but we worked out our kinks for the season. Our run and yep. gun sets were ready to rock. You know, we hung two different sets and it felt good. felt good to get back into a tree. It was nice and cool. I'm, I'm just excited about it. This weekend's going to go off without a hitch, I feel. Yeah, it was a great weekend for hunting. I mean, Saturday was a great day condition-wise. This whole week, I would love to gotten that back down there and hunted this week. It just, you know, with some stuff that came up, I couldn't get it done, but... 
man, with this little bit of rain and this cold front that we've been having, it's getting me even more fired up for Saturday. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree anymore. I, I just hope the weather can stays consistent and carries forward into this first week. You know, I know there's some rain in the forecast, but as long as you can work around that, you can use that to your favor. Absolutely. It's supposed to be a little bit cooler, too, this weekend. I think it's supposed to be in the 40s, so that's oh, going to be man. So you nice can and beauty. Let a deer hang overnight. Yep. You know, I mean... It's going to be good. It's going to be good. No, I, if nothing else, deer should be moving. I, I just want to see a deer at this point. You know, that was our goal going into Saturday. We just want to see something. And we didn't, we didn't split up. We hung together both morning and afternoon. Our morning was a fiasco. But our afternoon sit was awesome. It was you know, in th- a sweet spot. I'm, I think we were in a great spot. I don't know. I'm shocked. I'm literally in shock that we didn't see a deer. I mean, we set up on like it was like a transition area mm-hmm. with white oaks that were dropping like crazy on just a hell of a trail right up against bedding and i thought we were just gonna get it done yeah. and it didn't happen no it was a little disappointing that we didn't see anything but you know what that's hunting that's why they don't call it killing you know and like my dad said you know i was talking to him about it a little bit he said you can hunt your best spot in, in a single day and never see anything that's why mm-hmm. it's called hunting and i, I get that 100 percent. i was a little bummed because you hear all these you know rumors about how great 2b is and how many deer they have then you go down and you sit all day long and you don't see anything it's kind of a bummer but (laughs) i I guess i had high hopes for the afternoon more than the morning sit and we bounced around a little bit we found good sign we did everything that you know we were preparing off season you know as far as scouting and listening to things and we did everything we were supposed to do right i felt but you know we just didn't see deer and we didn't get in deer and that that happens it's a high pressured area it's public land you know we were hunting the same land that was very highly pressured at the time. There were people running dogs and scent checking and, and doing that kind of thing. And we actually ran into a, a lady down there that you wanted to talk about on the podcast because she was more than generous. She was scent checking with her dogs and she was giving us some tips and stuff about Absolutely. where to hunt. That was she pretty was letting cool. us know where all the deer were. She runs her dogs out there every day, which kind of a bummer to us, but yeah. You know, she was letting us know, hey, I see deer here every day. I see deer over here every day. Mm-hmm. You know, go check those spots out. And, you know, we already had our stands hung right, for that evening set. So we weren't going to go and rip them down and come back. But, you know, I thought that was very generous of her. You yeah, know? she wasn't bothering us any by no. doing that. I mean, it, we it, were way away from where she yeah. was running her dogs. And, and but. it's public land. You have to realize public land means land use for all people in all types whatever they want to do you're gonna run into people you're gonna run into people you can't fault her for running her dogs you know during archery season yeah that's why the land's there she's running hunting dogs she's running german shorthair pointers i mean she's just getting ready for the season coming up you know i don't i don't blame her that's what that's there for no she was generous enough to give us some tips she obviously picked up on that we had never been there before when she was asking us about some places and we were just giving her that dead blank stare yeah (laughs) Uh, you know and i think that's really cool that's a a true sportsman and a true outdoorsman helping another outdoorsman absolutely absolutely that was cool enough jibber jabber from us yeah we have an awesome guest oh, yeah. on the podcast today. We have John Mulligan. Johnny Wicked Utah. Tree Deer. He is the man. And make sure you guys stay tuned to the end of the episode because John was very, very generous and he has offered up a very large giveaway. Yeah. Yeah. John blew us away at the end of this episode and he threw a giveaway in that we were not expecting. We didn't ask for it. I mean, it was nothing that we talked about beforehand. He threw it on us. I, you can tell in the conversation throughout this one that 
this was just good convo back and forth between three guys that are big time hunters that really love the sport. And I think he picked up on that a little bit too. We had good conversation and a good episode and he, he offered to give away some, you know, some products of his own for wicked tree gear. Awesome. Awesome products. Wait till the end to hear what they are. And then we'll, we'll follow up by posting what the roles of the giveaway are, how you can get involved. And we'll go from there. Absolutely. Here is John Mulligan from Wicked Tree Gear. All right, on the phone, we have John Mulligan of Wicked Tree Gear. How you doing today, John? What's happening, guys? How are you guys uh, doing out there in PX? Oh, man, it's nice and cool. It kind of feels like fall. Yeah, it feels like hunting season, man. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome out here. I woke here. up this morning, I threw on flannel, and uh, I looked at my wife, and I said, it's, it's flannel season. It <laughs> smiles from here on out. You know? Oh, man, that's my favorite time of year. I love it. All right, John, well, why don't, you, uh, why don't you get into it and tell us where you're from, what you do for a living, all that good stuff. Okay, uh, so I live in Iowa right now. I'm not a native of Iowa. I moved out here about two and a half years ago. I grew up in Kentucky, and central Kentucky, northern Kentucky is, is where I kind of cut my teeth as far as, in, you know, in the whitetail woods and turkey woods. And unfortunately, I grew up in an area that was, you know, horses, cattle, pasture. I was 18 years old before I ever saw my first wild whitetail deer. Oh, man. Um, so hmm. we just didn't have deer, you know, in that area. And, and I mean, thoroughbreds and cattle, I saw those on, on a daily basis, you know. So when I moved to northern Kentucky, that's when I got into hunting, started hunting with a buddy of mine. And, you know, like a lot of people, um, you know, I picked up rifle hunting. Uh, Kentucky has a rifle season, and and that's just what we what we did. But it didn't take me very long to make that crossover to a bow, and just you know really like that challenge aspect of it, and you know that see how close I could get the deer to come in, or how close I could move in on them, and that kind of thing. So that's what I got stuck into, and I started doing a little bit of filming, uh, filming some hunts, and I was doing some work with another web show that was that was already out there and, and had some pretty good traction. I ended up working for Wicked Tree Gear actually as just a, I was a dealer, selling saws to landscapers and, and horticulture guys and nurserymen and that kind of stuff in my area, and eventually wanted to make a uh, business decision. I've always been kind of an entrepreneur, had a couple of businesses on the side that I've bought and sold over the years and ended up making play and to purchase part of Wicked Tree Gear. So I bought part of Wicked and just a couple of years later, my business partner and I, we ended up selling Wicked Tree Gear to a private holding group down in Texas, uh, Tecumani Holdings. So that was um, the only thing I really knew about Tecumani Holdings was, you know, the Bucks of Tecumani TV show and yeah. And Tecumani seat. I no longer was required to stick around Kentucky. Uh, I'm a, a former police officer of, for 16 years. So my contract said I could live anywhere in the United States. And I thought, man, as a bow hunter, let's <laughs> go to Iowa. You know? Yeah. Uh, Paradise. No, <laughs> you know, Iowa has that whole, it takes about four years to get a preference point, you know, for an archery tag. So if you're an Iowa resident, you get two buck tags. And if you're a landowner, you get a bonus buck tag. So Sweet. technically, I own 22 acres here. I get three archery buck tags a year. Oh, man. I've never filled all three. I've only filled one per season since I've been here. But nonetheless, you know, having that luxury and having that option, you know, to do that definitely makes it a lot sweeter than the once every four year deal. So I moved out here, moved the family, the kids and everything. And, you know, normal business situations. My business partner and I, we ended up going different directions and and I left the uh, the web show that I was filming and uh, and hunting on 
branched off, started my own web show, Arrow Wild TV, and I now have been promoted through Techamani to where instead of just running the sales and marketing for Wicked, I'm actually the marketing director for all of their brands, uh, which now includes Techamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, and Wicked Tree Gear. Awesome. That pretty much brings us up to speed to, to today. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm really actually... I'm pretty, pretty jealous. jealous myself, too. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of looking for a job there, John. I don't know if you have any openings or room in your basement over there in Iowa, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three buck tags yeah, in the state uh, like Iowa, that sounds like a dream come true. Well, you know, I mean, if there's any Iowa listeners, I, I will apologize. I'm not, I'm, I'm not bashing the state whatsoever. It's a beautiful state. The, the wildlife is, is, is super awesome. The public lands... It's some of the best public lands in any state I've ever been in in the Midwest. But, you know, I grew up, in a, I was, I moved from the northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area. And there's certain things in life that you take for granted, like Wi-Fi and cell phones. I always tell everybody, I didn't move to Iowa for the, for the crappy Wi-Fi and the gravel roads. I can assure you, know, I can assure you that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so just to put it in perspective, any listeners that know anything about their Wi-Fi at all, I have one speed, one up, one down. That's the best I can get. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. terrible. Yep. So, you know, and where, and where I moved from, we had 50, like 50 speed at the time. And then, of course, I talked to my buddies back home, and now they're like, oh, yeah, we just got new new fiber optics. Now we're up to like 250 speed, you know. But, Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. so it's just... um you know, that's that's a struggle, and, you know, some of the things that people don't think about necessarily, and I didn't think about, I thought, oh, a new area, you know, I'm up for the challenge. And then you get here, and you're you're starting to do door knocks, trying to find places to hunt, and trying to find some private land, because, you know, you don't, I mean, granted, there's nothing wrong with hunting public all the time, but I'm a guy that likes to do food plots and stuff like that, and manage deer, so, you know, I wanted to pick up some private pieces, and, and almost immediately, you kind of get the whole... Well, you're an outsider. What do you what do you mean by an outsider? Well, you weren't born here. Yeah, oh, man, like, yeah. I, yeah, I know. I know I wasn't born here. Uh, I moved here. I moved to this great state, you know. So there has been a little resistance. I'm not I'm not going to lie. But for the, the majority, you know, everybody that I've met, everybody's been super nice, but there is that element of starting over again, you know? Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, I can understand that. I I know I've hunted in Illinois. A little bit. I've been uh-huh. out there twice. My dad's gone out there for the last probably 15, 16 years. And uh, I know we hunt in a very, very small, small rural town. And uh, it t- kind of gives you that like back in the day feel, which I, being 28, I don't really understand it. But my dad has always said, you know, it's like going back in time when he was a kid. Like everyone is just super nice, but they're all just like, like you said, they don't even care if they probably ever had service for internet or anything you know that's just not the way that they were born and raised they just you know they're laid back very nice people but they're you know they they're minimalists they they live off what they have and you know their land and farming is pretty much all they know so i can Uh kind of feel spot on yeah that's the way it is yeah it's very much that way around here you know some of my neighbors you know they've asked well so how do you like it so far i'm like ah man i i really wish the internet was a little bit faster and they're like what (laughs) <laughs> why are you why are you concerned about the internet i'm like well uh, you know i'm a marketing director like everything i do is you know facebook instagram and, and emails and, right you know and stuff and i'm like it's you know it's pretty large video files and photo files going up and down and they're like wow, yeah i 
I've never really had anybody complain about that, you know. And when you start, when you hang out at the local gas stations and the local eateries and everybody's got flip phones, yeah. you realize that <laughs> that is not an important thing in the area, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of branching off on that, I just thought about it. Do you run any cell cams or anything like that? I bet you have some problems trying to find <laughs> I a do, spot. correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did some hunting in Kentucky early season this year. And I was running some covert cell cams uh, in Kentucky on the Verizon network and, and didn't have any issues. But my current property, I've got, I've got one area on my, on my residential property where I can get a signal and I'm going to be deploying that camera on a food plot uh, here shortly. But my other, I have another lease and then I have another property that I lease with a, with another guy and there's no Verizon signal out there at that property at all. So. So I'm very, very limited in that regard. Yeah, so you're pretty much just going in like everybody else and checking your cameras and kind of blowing up your yeah, spot on accident. Swapping cards. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And yep. I'm a big fan of that cell, you know, the cell technology. You know, we all have those areas where you're just like, man, I, re- you know, I really don't want to go in there except when I'm going in to hunt. Yeah. But I want to check a camera. And uh, it is, it, it's super convenient. It's a game changer to be able to get pictures sent to your phone remotely. I mean, that's that's huge, right? But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not an option for me here. That's wild. Yeah, I've been killing myself because I have two cameras up that have been up for probably a month and a half. And I mean, every rain and every chance I get now in this last week, I want to go, but I'm stopping myself because I do not want to be in the woods at this time of year. So I'm pretty much going to have to force myself to sit there because like you said, it would be nice to see what's going through there. You know, one area I'm familiar with, but the other area I've literally never hunted before. So who knows? There could be a, you know, 150, 160 walking through there every day and I wouldn't know it until I hunted it and checked my camera, you know? So uh-huh. it's kind of driving or me nuts, the unknown. know it till you blow him out walking in, you know? Oh, right, yeah. oh, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, no, the cell cameras are great, yep. man, but that that's kind of mm-hmm. a bummer, especially, like, for you, like you said, I'm with social media and everything for your job and everything you do, that's such a big tool for marketing right now. I mean, everyone's on yep. social media. To not have that, you know, I, obviously you have it available to you, but to not have yep. it in the speed in which would be efficient, Kind of, kind of stinks for yeah, you. It just takes a little longer, and I, I always joke, and some of my buddies that I talk to, you know, a lot, they they know what I mean when I say I'm I'm heading to my mobile my mobile office, yeah. <laughs> and that means getting in my truck and driving down the road about four miles. Uh, there's a Jeez. place that I found that I get four bars of LTE, <laughs> and I tether my cell phone to my laptop, and I'll sit there in my truck for three, four, five. I've been up there as much as eight hours before oh, straight, just sitting in my truck, scheduling posts and, oh, you know, man. doing my work. Living out of that bad boy. Jeez. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, man. It's got a lot more hours on it than it has miles, I assure you. you know? <laughs> I'm sitting here feeling bad for you, but then I remember you're still in yeah, Iowa yeah. with no, three buck no. tags. And that's the thing. I, <laughs> anybody listening is like, yeah, boo-hoo. You get to work <laughs> home and you get to hunt iowa yeah uh, i feel real sorry yeah for poor you. john your life uh, is miserable <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah no i'm just you know that and that's just the way it is you know and, and i could have picked a lot of different areas to move to and there there you know obviously there's parts of the area that have uh that iowa that has good wi-fi and good good cell phones but you're getting into more populated areas the hunting ground is harder to access because of availability 
and or, you know, you're up to 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks an acre on leases. So in my area, I'm still able to get door knock uh, access and, you know, $10 an acre uh, lease prices is, is, is the high side right now in this area. And I'm sure it's only going to go up. But that was another reason why I picked this area is I can honestly say that there's more deer than there are humans that live in my area. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, man. That's actually pretty reasonable. No, no. And, you know, in, in my past life, you know, what I did for a living before, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how how cosmopolitan Ural's area is, but northern Kentucky, Cincinnati is, is pretty dense as far as people go. And, you know, being a cop for 16 years and doing a lot of uh, undercover narcotics and that kind of stuff, uh, I, I was seeking the back roads you know i wanted to get as far away uh from from cities city lights as i could and and i and i found it (laughs) i just might have gone too far (laughs) hey that's okay man i wouldn't i wouldn't complain about it yeah no but getting into that getting into your life now and uh you know let's touch more we want to focus on wicked tree gear today for the most part um why don't you get into kind of what is wicked tree gear and then maybe go into different products afterwards yeah so Wicked Tree Gear was originally uh, started, uh, the, the handsaw was the flagship model. And the flagship folding Wicked Tough handsaw that we call it, uh, that was our first item, cast aluminum handle. It's the only folding handsaw out there that's not using wood or plastic, basically, as the major component of the frame. And, and that's kind of always been our bread and butter. I mean, that's what we've always claimed is that it is truly the toughest saw that's out there. Mm-hmm. And... It's only a half pound, so people look at it and they say, oh, it's, it's you know, cast aluminum. I bet it's really heavy, and then they pick it up. Like, oh, man, it's really, really light, you know? So the concept of the company was always to make the toughest equipment that manufacturing would allow and always have the best customer service of, of anybody out there. You know, I think we've all been in a situation where customer service led us to another brand or another product category or something like that. So, you know, those are things that you can control, you know, as customer service. And I wish more companies did a better job with them. But we basically started out with a hand saw, immediately went into a bone saw. Now we've changed the name to utility saw. And the only reason is we've started to cross over into kind of the landscape, fruit tree, nursery kind of market. And we've we found a found a niche avoid in that market as well. From there, we went into making sure we had sheaths, lightweight sheaths. Uh, we've got the tree pack, which allows you to hold the saw open or closed. So if you're one-handed operation, you know, we've all been in a tree stand situation where you're holding on to a branch or a climbing stick and you're like, ah, how am I going to get this folding hand saw open? Well, that sheath allows you to keep it in the open position and it, you know, it functions like pulling a sword out, you know? Yeah. Then we uh, we got into the telescoping pole saw market, and our our first saw we did a six foot folding hand saw that collapses to eighteen inches. Then we went to a twelve footer that goes down to thirty two inches, and then the fifteen footer that goes to forty two inches. Oh dang! And you know the only problem with that was initially. Our 15-foot pole saw was $249, and people said, man, you know, I really like it, and it's cool, but it's kind of pricey. And, of course, you know, your selling features are always, look, it's a one-time purchase. You know, right. We do a lifetime warranty. I was going to ask um, you about that, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was hard to get people sometimes to swallow that, you know. So we came out with uh, two other saws called the ultralights, and we didn't we didn't skimp on you know the quality or the toughness of them. 
but we did a 10-foot and a 14-foot ultralight. They don't telescope down as far, but they still get smaller than any other pole saw out there in the market. I mean, even the 14-footer collapses to 60 inches. And then you can take the head off and use it as a handsaw as well. So that was kind of a... That was that was our way of kind of bridging the gap and, and getting in to make sure we wanted to make sure all consumers, you know, could afford a nice quality pulse off. So we went that route. Now things have just completely gotten silly. I've kind of been granted the ability to design whatever I want to design. And so this year alone I designed a a pro blade, which is an accessory. It's a replacement blade for the ultralight, but it's got a hook bill on the tip and a hook bill on the back. Imagine, think of it as it's got blade stops on it. You know, if you're cutting 20 foot overhead and the blade slips out of the cut, and then you're like, ah, I'm halfway through that branch. I don't want to start from scratch again. Okay, I got to get my blade back in that cut where I was. And you're trying to put that blade up in a cut 20 foot overhead, right? So with the hook bills on the pro blade, you can literally just cut like a banshee. I mean, just go wild and it's not going to slip out of the cut. And you're also using the full cutting length of the saw. Because before, if it's an 11-inch blade, you know you don't want to slip out of it. So maybe you're only using 8 inches of stroke there. Well, with this blade being 14 inches with the hook bills, you just cut wild and you're getting the full 11 to 12 inches of of teeth, you know? Yeah, no, I like that a lot. You're actually cutting so much faster. It's just, it's an awesome Awesome, awesome, awesome blade. I love it. I also came up with a saw called the Beast, and it is a, it's a non-folding saw, but it actually uses a curved 11-inch blade. So, you know, you're not going to put it in your front pocket, I can tell you that. But when you're out there pre-seasoned and you're like, I got a lot of stuff to cut and I need to cut it fast, this is the item for you, you know? This is, that's the Wicked Beast. Those were the two new items that we launched this year. Uh, you know, we do have our Wicked Tough hand pruners as well, which are beautiful for like multiflora rows and, you know, snipping that small stuff. Uh, brushing in blinds, they're extremely handy. Turkey hunting, if you're doing nature, you know, nature blinds, natural, natural blinds and, you know, in the timber, it's real nice to uh, trim away a few branches and give yourself a little shooting window. For next year, items, I, you know, I've been super busy this summer prototyping and developing some new stuff that we're going to launch at the ATA show. I'm trying to think what I can, what I can say. <laughs> You're coming out with the Wicked Tree Gear Katana Sword. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> You're not far off, man, I can tell you. I will tell you that one of the items we're coming out with, I spent two days in Pompano Beach, Florida, watching a, uh, a landscape crew Oh, there was actually a bunch of Haitians that oh, were down there. Yeah. And these guys were going to work on palm trees all day long. I know exactly I mean, what you're getting at, and I, mean. I will not ruin it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I know um, because I, well, on my honeymoon, we actually went to St. Lucia. And I'll tell you what, those oh, guys okay. yep. down there, I mean, everywhere there's a roadway. I mean, you got five or six people clearing them by hand you know, the edges of the yep. roadway. And I know what they were using. And I'm thinking, oh man, I guarantee that's what he's talking about. And they, maybe they could yep. buy some of your so products. So I, look I think at we're that. on the same wavelength. So you're going to, you're going to see that at the, at launched at the ATA show. I've got an attachment for the ultralight. So the ultralight system was always built with the quick detach. Mm-hmm. And the idea was always, you know, if we can quickly pop off the saw head, 
we can very quickly pop on other attachments, right? So there is going to be an attachment for the ultralight that's going to be a game changer. It's something that people have been asking for for years and years and years. You know, why don't you guys have that? Why don't you guys have that? So we have that now. Awesome. Um, <laughs> let's see, what else do we have? We've got two other items that we're going to unveil that is our crossover into the kind of the, the camping world. Interesting. Um, more of your, more of your tradition, like, Think of some of the items that every camper always has. Still, still a hand tool, mm-hmm. but uh, we're gonna we're starting to branch into again. I mean, it's Wicked Tree gear. So yeah. Any we want to be the premier, the toughest company if it comes to cutting, sawing, whacking, banging, slapping, sticking. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anything that you're doing with wood in a hand tool, we want to be the company for that. So we're basically really trying to round out our SKU list. You know, our roots are always going to be in the hunting industry, but we're also kind of branching in, like I said, branching into that camping, hiking world as well. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I could see a backpacker needing a saw or a backpacker needing, I mean, anything like exactly. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can dig that. Now, this may be yep. kind of obvious of a question, but what, how much do you think being a, an avid bow hunter has really helped you and inspired you with designing and selling your products? Tremendously. You know, to go to throw it back 20 plus years ago, I started college and ultimately finished my degree uh, with a degree in horticulture. Mm, that helps. And people don't know what that is. You know, people are like, you, you did what? What did you do with horses? <laughs> um, so my background is in horticulture and always as a side job and a side business, I had a landscape company. I worked for a landscape company all through high school and college, and then I started my own landscape business on the side. So, you know, I've always had those influences. And, I mean, let's think about it. You know, we go into the woods and we trim a few branches so we can have a shooting lane Mm -hmm. to hopefully harvest uh, deer or turkey, you know, or something. Guys that are landscaping, that tool is how they put food on the table, right? Oh, yeah. So they can't have equipment that fails on them. Uh, that breaks in the middle of a job site because they're losing money if they do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was another thing about the Wicked Tree Gear line is always kind of having that landscape influence uh, built into our stuff. You know, we all know that there's definitely some cheap hunting products that were made out there. And some of them work extremely well because they only get used a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. But if you were using your saw every single day, three, you know, 365, it's got to be able to stand up to the rigors of that. So that that was another thing that when we put an emphasis on the quality of the equipment is we're making this for a landscaper. And it just so happens that our target market has been the hunting world. And yes, and as a as a bow hunter and a hunter, you know, those thoughts go into go into play all the time. You know, I might be trimming shooting lanes one day and I'm thinking, you know, if I had this tool, mm-hmm. I think I could actually do this easier or or quieter, or it could pack into my backpack easier. And, and I do a lot of running gun sets. And, you know, if you're going in with a lone wolf, a set of sticks, you got your bow, and I've got a camera arm, a camera arm base, I've got my DSLR, I have my Ozonics, you know. I mean, it kind of, sometimes it feels like you're moving into the woods for a week or two, you know. Yeah, um, man, you're going in heavy. Yeah, so, you know, keeping the weight down was always, is, is very important. That's one of those bow hunting influences. Keeping the weight down. We've got little things built into our equipment that are sound dampening items that I think completely go unnoticed to make sure that the blade 
doesn't rattle when it's when it's strapped to your back and it's in your pack and stuff like that. We've got little little rubber pieces built into our saws, and you know all that stuff goes into play because you know you can cut a branch in the woods and it's not going to bother a deer. You make a metallic sound in the woods and you've just alerted every deer in the woods. Oh yeah, yep. Good point. That probably goes into having the uh, the cast aluminum frame to it also. I mean, that's... Correct. It's uh, Cast aluminum has been proven to be, you know, one of the strongest material makeups you can use, and it also is the best sound dampening thing that you can use. You know, such products such as Lone Wolf Tree Stands and stuff like that. I was just going to say, you guys are like the lone wolf of the tree saw <laughs> game, yeah. No, and it... And that's not, you know, not totally by accident. I mean, there's a lot of good tree stand manufacturers out there. I myself, I, I, I do use Lone Wolf's tree stands and climbing sticks and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that was kind of, that was kind of the thing, you know. I mean, they're, I think everybody kind of looks at them as they are a premier brand. And that's what we wanted to be was we wanted to be the premier brand. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, your prices are actually pretty reasonable. I was on your website. I mean, you got hand saws from anywhere from twenty nine ninety nine up to forty four ninety nine. You know, your mm-hmm. pull saws are right around a hundred bucks, and your pruners are twenty five dollars. I mean, that's that's actually pretty competitive, even with the cheaper stuff. And I'll be honest, there's nothing more frustrating than when you're in the woods and you're trying to prune lanes or you're trying to be as quiet and quick and efficient as possible. Because like we talked about earlier, you don't want to be spending a lot of time in the woods in an area where you're going to hunt, you know, and having good products that are going to work and that are going to last you. I've been through probably three hand saws in the last, I don't know, five years because they either break or the, the biggest thing is the, uh, the blade bending, you know, or just going dull, you know, so something that's going to last you forever and, and comes with a lifetime warranty sounds like a no brainer to me personally. For sure. Yeah. And you know, something, something else that we actually did at the, in January of 18, and it took several of our stores to, to adjust their shelving, adjust their pricing and things like that. But we sent a notice to all of our retailers that effective January 1 of 2018, we actually dropped our MSRPs retail pricing. We dropped anywhere from 15 to 25% across Ooh, the board. Man. You know, some people said, oh, man, are you guys just not selling enough? We're like, no, no, that's not the reason for that at all. As the company has continued to grow, we are able to order larger quantities of mm-hmm. saws. You know, there was a time where my business partner and I, we were doing good if we could order 500 hand saws at a time from the factory. And now we're in a position where we can order 25,000 hand saws at a time. Wow. Ooh, man. So yeah. by doing so, we save money. And, you know, business 101 is, you know, you got to increase your profit margins. Well, what we did is as a company, we made a decision instead of increasing our margins, we're keeping our margin the same, but we can relate, you know, roll those savings onto the customer as well. Yeah. No, um, so that's why there's actually, you know, our hand saw used to be thirty nine ninety nine, and we've sold over 50,000 of them at that price. And so instead of thirty nine ninety nine, now it's twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's crazy. I know you kind of, in a roundabout way, kind of answered this question, but what is Wicked Tree Gear doing to stand out against the competition? Like- um, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I think customer service is huge. One example would be just three days ago, a friend of mine on Facebook posted a picture of a competitor's saw. And I can't believe he had a competitor's saw. I'll have to address that issue with him at some point. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, he had a competitor's saw and he had a picture of it broken. And he made a Facebook post, which as we all know, social media, I mean, that's what happens. You know, people put their stuff, whether it's good, bad or ugly, you know, they put it out there. And, and he made a post and said, look, you know, here's my experience. 
I put blade. I reached out to the manufacturer, and they basically told me, of luck, take it back to the place that you bought it, and then they will inspect it and decide if it's user error. <laughs> I mean, it's a saw. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, I think we all know how to work a saw, but um, he's like, well, you know, I bought it from Amazon. So where where am I supposed to take it to? And they just basically said, yeah, you're kind of SOL. It was really nice to see all the responses and people, you know, nine times out of 10 were like, you just need to buy a wicket and be done with it. So that was really cool. And I think we've established that customer service and we've established that reputation of being a quality, you know, quality piece of equipment. Customer service, I think, is the number one thing that we have to stay on top of. Uh, even as we grow, sometimes it gets tougher. You know, back in the early days, if a guy bought a saw, there was a time I actually knew his name because I saw the order come across, you know, an email or something. So now we're selling so many saws uh, every day, you know, you do kind of lose track of that. So that's uh, that's a focus. That's something we have to do as a company as we grow to maintain customer service. The other thing is uh, to constantly be innovative, you know, never get stagnant. Uh, in the marketplace. We've seen it with a lot of other hunting companies. You know, at one time they were on top of the world and then another new innovative company comes into the category and they crush them, you know, because mm-hmm. that company just got, they got lax and, and they got complacent. And so I think engineering innovation is key. I think you always have to keep pushing the envelope, listen to your consumers, find out exactly what it is they need. And also myself, you know, I, I have to make sure that I'm spending enough time, you know, out of the office and in the timber and, and using the equipment and, you know, trying to think up new stuff. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now, I did a little bit of research before the podcast on you, and I've listened to you on other podcasts like your Arrow Wild podcast and Truth in the Stand, and I've watched the show Arrow Wild. Between having a family and working with several companies and a TV show and podcasts and trade shows and hunting and all that, dude, where are you finding time to sleep? You're a busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that's where it was going out because I, I was actually getting ready to just say caffeine. Um <laughs> Yeah, caffeine's my friend. I don't sleep a lot. I try to I try to get five hours of sleep a day. That's my goal. I found out that I can function on that, but it doesn't always happen that way. If I'm really stressed about things, I you know I'll only sleep two or three hours uh, a night. But you know it's extremely extremely busy. You know I don't know. I think I'm the type of person. I think idle time kills creativity, and I think idle time kills people in general. You know. Yeah. And. There's that old saying that like, oh, you can literally work yourself to death. Well, maybe. But I think you have to constantly keep exercising the mind. You just have to keep, you know, trying to move forward. You know, if something doesn't work, you know, you can sit back and dwell on it or you can just jump right back on the saddle and and keep rocking and rolling. But yeah, I I stay busy, you know, doing the marketing stuff for Tech Money Holdings and and having my web show and and doing, you know, a couple different podcasts. I mean, I think on average, I've been a guest on a podcast probably once every two weeks for the past year. Sweet. You know, so doing doing a lot of podcasts, and I, I love doing them because, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, who doesn't love to have a chance to promote their brands, right? So, right, absolutely. And, and I love talking with other hunters, you know, especially from other areas. Uh, you know, I do a lot of freelance photography on the side for a lot of companies, companies that you don't actually see on Arrow Wild as well. I've been fortunate to pick up a few, you know, photography retainers and, and work with some really, really awesome companies. And, you know, outside of, obviously, I love the outdoor industry, but as a whole, my passions are photography and short films. That's my true, true, true passions. If I could do one thing in life, that's, I mean, that's all I would do. The marketing side, I mean, it's it pays the bills. And like I said, I, I do love this industry. 
there's times that the industry can can bite you a few times here and there. I think we've all seen it, you know, from time to time. But but in the end, I've met so many spectacular, creative, passionate people that sometimes you know you can feed off of them, and you're like, man, you know, I just met this guy, and he's like the most passionate guy I've ever met, and you know, he wants, you know. I, the stuff that I get from him, the vibe that I get from him, like it forces me and makes me want to do more and do, you know, do better and, and try different things. So I think a lot of it is also, it all ties in together with Wicked and the different brands, Tecamani and Glacier. Just being innovative with product is the same as being innovative with yourself and innovative with photography and creativity, you know? Keep friggin' grinding, man. Just. Yeah, any I think any successful business owner would agree with you 100% there that you you just got to keep on the grindstone. You got to keep working and doing, I mean, like you said, maybe five hours of sleep a night, you know, and all every other hour spent on something, you're doing something. But also, I think that, I mean, in a way, besides the lack of sleep thing, I think it's also healthy to keep yourself moving. You know, I know a lot of people that are up there in age that they look as healthy as ever because they're just always moving, always doing something. You know, and I've been a big fitness guy, you know, my whole life, ever since high school. And, you know, I'm 40 years old and, and I still hit the gym four or five nights a week and for, yep. you know, at least an hour, sometimes a little longer, but depends on what I'm doing. But right. I think that's another thing, you know, keeping the mind right, keeping the body right. And also that one hour a day at the gym, that gives me a chance to not think about marketing, mm-hmm. you know, completely unwind and and exhaust myself, you know, and kind of turn my brain off, you know, for at least for a second. But uh, I think it's super important, you know, to have a, some kind of an exercise program in your life, you know. Absolutely. If anything else, it's a place to vent. That's my therapy yeah. session. <laughs> I was going to say, usually you can do that with hunting, but I'm sure you're up in a tree stand thinking about products or, you know, you're clearing shooting lanes, thinking about something else and what you might be able to do, like you said, to stay ahead of the curve. But I actually found it uh, pretty interesting when you mentioned about making time to use your own products and you know, I think we were kind of uh, wondering what maybe your favorite product of Wicked Tree Gear is and which one you find the most practical or that you may use the uh, most. 14 foot ultralight. This is my, this is my everyday. When I'm going out like this whole season, all my sets, I hung eight sets and all of my sets are all double sets, you know, cameraman sets as well. Every set was done this year with a 14 foot ultralight with the pro blade and the ultralight utility hook. That little hook is so awesome, man. You know, you get a branch that gets hung up in the tree. You can just hook it and rip it out of there, you know. Uh, I'm a big uh, hunter safety systems hanger harness guy. So in my pouch on my right side, because I'm right-handed, I have a set of hand pruners and I have a wicked saw. In my left pouch is an extra wicked saw should I be fortunate enough to hang a tree stand set with, with a buddy. That doesn't happen typically. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if I'm ever that lucky, then, then that's what that's for. So that's my, uh, and, and a Wicked Beast. Uh, Wicked Beast preseason, but when it comes time for hanging stuff up in the tree, that's my set, man. 14-foot ultralight with the Pro Blade. That's, uh, that's the thing. And, you know, nice. it's funny, too, because people ask me, they're like, well, of course your equipment's always in top, you know, working order, you know. You could put a new blade on there every day. I have all the original blades that I started with in 2014. Oh man, you put out of work too. Blade on any of my stuff. That's wow. That's just a testament to how awesome they are. I mean, and you probably you've been out cutting lanes for every season. You do running gun sets, I'm assuming too, because you're a lone wolf guy. Yep. Yeah, you're yep. probably yep. trimming every stand Almost that you every, set. Yeah, every set. Wow. Yeah. So, and you know, a lot of why I do that is part of it is the frugalness of me. Hmm. 
I don't want the company to have to expense another blade to me or whatever. But the other thing is, again, so it gives me an opportunity to honestly tell people when I talk to people, that's a four-year-old blade. I know it because it's been mine, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not only marketing, you're R&D too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wear a lot of hats, brother. That's right. (laughs) I'm marketing. Sometimes I'm customer service. Sometimes R&D. Sometimes designer, janitor. You put it all on my business card. If if it makes us move forward, I'm I'm good with it. Attaboy. I like it. I like it. All right, John. I was going to wait till the end here, but I have to sell my pitch now, okay? So, I mean, look here. Okay, so I, I have a landscaping company that I run now. All right, I've been running it for seven okay, cool. years or so. You know, I'm an avid bow hunter. I got an accounting background, and I could be your hunting partner. I mean, this is meant to be, I think. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, a lot of things are lining up, man. A lot of things are lining up. We can make this happen, I'm telling I, you. Um, man, I tell you, when I, when I was in Kentucky, um, He's still, he's still one of my best friends, if not my best friend, a gentleman by the name of Mike Riddle. He's a, I always screw this up. He's a CNRA, so uh, an anesthetist, like an anesthesiologist, but a super, super intelligent guy. And he was my camera guy for like three seasons. And we would be in the tree and have a whole conversation all day long, but actually never say a word, you know, (laughs) we gelled like that. And that was actually probably the thing that I miss the most is when I came out here having a hunting partner to hunt with every day and to film with every time you go out that you're totally in sync with, you know, that you really get along with. They're not some rude guy and there's Mm -hmm. no jealousy issues and there's no unnecessary competitiveness nature of the relationship. You know what I mean? So that was the thing that I haven't found. So, hey, you want to move to Iowa? Dude, let's go get in a tree, man. (laughs) I'm in. I'm in 100%. But I don't think uh, <laughs> I don't think either one of your wives would like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mine would actually. She would probably be like, "Oh, so you're going to be like nicer and friendlier and not be stressed <laughs> out all the time because you're having to self film so much." Oh yeah, she'd probably ask you like, "Do you want ketchup and mustard on your hot dog?" You're like, you know, whatever. That, let's go. That's perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even ask for relish, you know. <laughs> Oh, man. That's that's actually, no, you make a good point because me and Austin, uh, we got to hunt Saturday uh, because there's a certain WMU here in our area just south and closer to Pittsburgh where it comes in two weeks ahead of the state opener in Pennsylvania. So we got to hunt together a little bit last Saturday and we hung in the same tree and that's the first time I ever hung with someone in the same tree before. Man, we had a blast. Uh-huh. I mean, we had an absolute blast. We probably spent like seven hours in a tree stand together. You know, just hanging one side of the tree and he was on the other side of the tree. And we, uh-huh. I agree. I mean, I can definitely vouch that that was a lot of fun just being up there with somebody else and having a lot of fun, like you said, sitting there for seven hours, never saying much of anything and, and having a full conversation. Oh, it's so, so important. I mean, I can almost watch some of the hunting shows and some of the you know, YouTube shows and that kind of stuff. And you can almost watch the hunter and you can tell who has a personal relationship with the camera guy. Mm-hmm. And who is, who, you know, a lot of those shows, it's just, it's a hired gun. They literally met at the base of the tree or maybe right. at the campsite, you know, before they left to go get in the tree. You know, I do, a, I put on a film school for my guys. I've considered opening it up to the public, but there's actually a section in my film school where it's for the camera guys. Or if you are a camera guy, like the camera guy has so much more of an important role than what I think he realizes. Like he's the guy that's got to make sure that, the person hunting is is upbeat 
and mm-hmm. is being talkative, is doing thorough interviews. You know, he's a guy that's locked in. He has to kill it with the camera. You know, he doesn't get to watch the hunt uh, as it unfolds. He has to watch it through the, you know, viewfinder. And, right. you know, the camera guy's also there to, hey, no, 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 don't shoot yet. Wait for him to clear. He's got to clear that branch so I can have him in frame and uh, stuff like that. So the camera guy actually has a, a super important role. And, and I've hunted with guys that I barely know. And you can see it in my interviews. I'm just kind of like, yeah, we're out here. You know, I don't really know what to say. Or, you know, you, <laughs> when you're with your buddy, you can be you. You can be right. natural. It's your real personality. And you guys are, and even if you don't see anything, chances are you probably told a few funny stories in the tree, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. <laughs> now, having that extra set of eyes makes sense, you know? You forget to say something oh, about this. Oh, dude, yeah, tell them about yeah. that, you know? No, that makes total sense. Yep. We I'm went guilty out. of... Uh, answering Instagram messages, answering Facebook messages, sending emails. <laughs> I did a conference call one time in a tree stand last year. and You're a champion. Um, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, like, you have no idea. It's, uh, and, and a lot of it is my OCD. Like, you know, I'm the type of person, I can't leave a project unfinished. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just eat me alive, right? So there was a day that I really, really wanted to go hunt, but they, they were like, well, we'd like to have you on this conference call, but if you can't make it like we understand, and I'm like, yeah, screw that, I'm hunting, you know? <laughs> I get halfway to my stand, and I'm calling in the call-in number, you know? I'm like, I'm here. Because <laughs> so, it would just ruin my hunt. I would just sit in the tree stand and be worrying about the conference call, like if there was something I needed to do or whatever, have to do the follow-up notes later. But no, I mean, it's just one of those things, man. Like, you know, I sit in the tree half the time and I'll be, I'll be plugged in and like, I might even be checking Instagram or something. And I've had a camera guy tap me on the shoulder, you know, Hey, buck coming in about a hundred yards out, you know, you might want to put your phone away. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we've all been there. We get, you know, oh, you yeah. get bored. Yeah. That second set of eyes is huge. I think all around, I mean, uh, hunting with someone else is, it is really cool and it's, a, it's a special kind of experience. But like you mentioned, whenever you're hunting with a, paid cameraman that you don't understand or you don't know and and you mentioned about seeing that in people's videos it actually hit me some of the videos that i watched so you would think you know if you knew a cameraman real well or you know if you guys were buddies you would go over a little bit beforehand which uh-huh. shots that you have you know in your openings in your lanes that are going to be on camera and good for because it, it seems like Every time the guy's drawn and he's constantly asking, are you on him? Are you on him? Are you on him? And then the other thing that I noticed is that awkward like high five slash handshake afterwards and the awkward response after they shoot a deer. Uh You could just pick that up so easily, I think. For sure. You nailed that one. You know, it's funny because and I'm not a big fan of the, are you on him? Are you on Mm -hmm. him? Yeah, I'm on him. You know, sometimes that gets annoying. But but there's, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've, I've asked the camera guy that before, especially if it's a new guy. I mean, mm-hmm. my old camera guy, I never asked it once. Right. Not even once. You just you knew know, he was I, on him. I knew. I knew he was on him. And if he wasn't, then he would say something. But if he, didn't, right. if he wasn't saying anything, I knew he was in focus. He was leaning off the side of the tree precariously in a probably an unsafe way <laughs> um, and just praying that that harness was going to do its job and Right. But I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. And, but when you're hunting with a new guy, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been there. I mean, most recently when I was in Kentucky, I was hunting with uh, another one of our new pro staffers. And, you know, this isn't saying anything bad about him. He's a super good guy, mm-hmm. but he's not really experienced with a DSLR camera. And, you know, as I was coming to full draw, I was still kind of given instructions on how to operate the camera. Instead of and, focusing on the shot. Right. It's not what you want to do at full draw. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So it makes things a little uh, uh, 
a little nerve wracking, you know, but I mean, it, you know, and some people might listening might say, well, then why even mess with the camera? You know, just screw it. Just go hunt. Well, it's your passion, I bro. Mean, I got a TV show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're in the business and, and, and part of your income is generated from, you know, producing, you know, footage and photos, obviously you want to do the best that you can, you know, and, 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 when the time comes that I decide that I don't want to film hunts and share my stories anymore, yeah, it'll be kind of nice to leave that camera behind and, and, and not have to worry about it as much. But uh, I'm still very much, you know, I, I love I love documenting the hunts, how they unfold, because every hunt's different, every deer's different, their behaviors are so different. And, and I like documenting that stuff. I, I like to be able to, to watch it and, and share share those hunts with people. And it's not a vanity thing. You know, I don't know. It, it's kind of, it's, it's, it is kind of weird to explain because I know the first time I started filming, my old business partner, he asked me, he said, have you ever, have you ever filmed any of your hunts? And I said, no. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, I don't stand in front of a mirror and flex, you know, like why? <laughs> Why would I, I'm not that kind of a vain person. And then I did it the first time and then I was able to go home and replay the footage and watch the hunt all over again. I'm oh like, yeah. This is the coolest thing ever. No. You know? <laughs> yeah. I must do this every day. I must do this every day. Now I won't, I won't go into it, but I know, uh, I know you had an interesting experience in Kentucky and I know it's a bit of a sore subject. So I won't, I won't go into it, but <laughs> your Iowa season starts this coming Monday. How are you feeling about going into the season? You got any hitless bucks or, uh, how are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited to bounce back from Kentucky. Kentucky, there was a lot of time and effort that went into that and a Kentucky velvet buck, you know, the state that I cut my teeth on to harvest a large, mature, full velvet buck is, is I mean, it's my unicorn. Yep. It is it has evaded me every year of my life and one reason or another something has come up. Whether the wind screwed up, the weather screwed up, I screwed up, you know, something has happened. But we've got Iowa season coming up and a lot of my properties don't really heat up until what I call scrape season. When the deer are getting really, really active and, and hitting those scrapes pretty often. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's hard horned, and they've already made their transitions, and they're into their fall ranges. That's when my properties start getting a little better. So, uh, as far as my lease ground and my personal ground, I don't really see much of anything until third week of October. Yeah. But this year on public ground, there's a spot that I located this spot the first year I was here, and by the time I found it, it was too late. Oh, uh, no. The sign was there there was no bucks there. And then last year I thought I missed it at the early part of the season. I was traveling and doing some other hunts. So I tried to hit it late, late season and it was still, it was just, it was you know too late. They hadn't circled back through. So I thought, you know what? The only time I haven't ever tried to hunt that is I need to hit it early. So I hung some cameras early this year and I'm pretty impressed with the, the bucks that I'm seeing that are coming through there in shootable hours. So that's where I'm going to start my season. Probably the first full Probably the first 10 days of the season, I won't hunt every day, but the first 10 days or so, I'm going to start on the public, and I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I, that's that's another bucket list hunt is, you know, a good, good, mature buck on public land. I think in any public land, that's a, that's a tough thing to do. That's a serious feat, man. I can't blame you for that. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to hunt a lot of private land around here, but the past few years, I've been really getting back into hunting public like I did when I was younger, and I don't know, man. I just... I'd love to kill a gray buck on public. That's like, like you said, it's just. Yeah, it's neat. And, you know, and, and not, uh, not to kind of get into the whole me too side of the public land. Cause mm-hmm. 
I, know I, I love, I love, I love seeing people get in and, and, and promote and back the public land because it is a serious issue. It's become a bit of a craze lately. You know, I, I just like the public land. Yeah. Right. Um, it's cool. Yeah. There's just something about, I mean, you're hunting a piece of property that anybody from almost anywhere in your state, obviously being a draw state, it's not as much as other places, but anybody can walk into that piece of property and hunt it. And I've said it before on here. I mean, you're not only outsmarting the deer at that point, you're outsmarting other people and other hunters. Yep. You know, and I think that's just a great thing. And I was going to ask you, and you just kind of took the question right from under me because you were talking about some of your your, uh, own pieces being not that great until about three weeks in. And I was going to ask if you would start on public ground. I think that's another great thing about public ground is it's a good transition piece whenever you're trying to find the premium times to be in your spots that you can have quality hunts on a piece of public land that you know especially around here too we have a lot of public land that we hunt and that's available to us i think that's awesome yeah, it really helps first, you get your first couple hunts out of the way work out some kinks too right right i mean if you blow that's it out right. you're yeah. not blowing out your own property you know yeah and you know it, it does give you another another piece to go on to where you're not just hammering mm-hmm. you know uh if you've only got one one piece to hunt if you divide it up amongst the public, then, you know, you're taking half your pressure off your land, half the pressure off public land, and you're kind of bouncing back and forth and mm-hmm. potentially gives you some more wind directions to hunt and stuff like that. The other reason for wanting to hit that so early this year is we have the most phenomenal acorn crop I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, these things are like the size of apples. Ooh. <laughs> um, and our public, there's no food plots. It's all timber. And uh, Iowa does a pretty good job of forest, kind of forest preservation and the uh, tree management where there's a lot of oak trees and there's a lot of acorns. I mean, I think we've all seen those cartoons, you know, where the guy's like walking on the balls and he's <laughs> yeah. running in circles and not going anywhere. That's what I looked like the other day trying to walk in there and hang a set. So there's a ton of acorns on the ground and and that's what my cameras are showing is that they're spending all of their daylight hours in the timber, eating acorns, mm-hmm. bedded up. And then in the evenings, they're transitioning over to some adjoining corn and alfalfa fields. Nice. So that's, uh, that's my, that's my theory anyways. I mean, that's what, that's how it all starts, right? You start with the theory yeah. and hope that it, hope that it plays out. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's a game plan. And, you know, one of my buddies, he said, I know why you're going over to public and trying to shoot a big buck just because that's, you know, it's pretty tough to get a big buck on public. And I said, well, heck yeah, that's, that's what you got to do. You got to, you got to make extremely hard goals for yourself. That way, if you fall short, nobody can make fun of you, right? True, true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, I was going to kind of counter you on that with, uh, with your huge acorn crop. We have, we have a halfway decent acorn crop this year, and that's what we were hunting the past weekend. But when you have that much food on the ground, I'm sure you're honing in on white oaks, but how are you uh, kind of differentiating between this spot and that spot? So, like I said, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to be good friends with uh, Ben Harshan from Hunterra. Oh, yeah. Nice. He was able to make me a map of uh, all of the Shimmick land the first year I moved here. And Shimmick is the big uh, state forest down by me. It's like 5,000 acres. Sweet. So I've had about three years to to read topos and then you know I designated four or five spots that I wanted to go hands on and I've shed hunted it two years in a row and I've spent several days in the spring and summer just walking observing and comparing you know what I saw on the map to what I was seeing on the ground and some spots ruled themselves out where the entry exits were just really bad and I've keyed in on one spot that it offers everything it offers as long as I have a good southwest west wind it offers good entry exit 
I can come in with the wind in my face and leave with the wind in my back. It is a, imagine a saddle funnel, a funneled saddle, if that was such a thing. Um, <laughs> that's the topo that I, I was able to find. And I'm basically right at that pinch where that funnel, it, it all kind of comes to one point and all of those deer kind of pick up these three trails and it all funnels into one. But it's right on top of a, of a saddle ridge deal. And I was actually talking to Clint uh, Campbell about this and I said, it's a, it's a ridged saddle, saddleback funnel. He's like, what? Like, yeah. Kind of got all those components into it, you know, and he's like, do what? I've never seen such. So that's kind of the best way to describe it. But uh, I found it uh, on a map. And, and when I found, uh, like I said, I got there late a couple of years ago. And when I found it, I counted 42 trees that had been rubbed. Oh, man. Uh, within probably a 20 to 30 square yard area. Wow. And, You're in the uh, money there. Yeah, and I'm like, oh boy, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we nicknamed it the Honey Hole. Not real original, pretty cheesy name. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I can dig it. <laughs> so we called it the Honey Hole, and man, the chiggers are atrocious. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, I'm covered head to toe right now. <laughs> they feel real nice. <laughs> oh, it's awful. But oh, hey, man. If that's what it takes, man. I'll I'll do it. <laughs> dude, I'm rooting for yeah. you, man. That sounds like a killer spot, to be honest. It, it should be really neat. I, I, you know, and, and what I like is it's such a predominantly good spot. I know that we never want to blow deer out. I think it's a spot that will reset itself very quickly. Yeah. You know, like probably in between every rain, you could potentially reset that spot. So there's just so many different bucks coming through there. Uh, I mean, it's like the interstate. I mean, if, if the interstate shuts down, what do you do? You got to wait for the interstate to open back up again. I mean, yep. you know, you're not going to go around the ponds and take all the back roads. So it's kind of one of those spots where I think that the deer don't really have a whole lot of option. Like they're going to just have to grin and bear it and, and get through there. So uh, I'm hoping to play that into my favor as well. We'll yeah. see, man. It's uh, yeah, good luck to you, man. Optimistic. I might try to do a couple of self-filmed uh, hunts in there, and then towards the end of the week, uh, the end of opening the first week. I do have one of my team members from Wisconsin that's going to come down and jump up in a tree and help me film some. I would love to get it done with him, but at the end of the day, I just want to get it done. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, keeping in mind that you have your hunting public at the beginning of the year and you're going to be hunting your other property um, throughout the rest of the year, probably. What's kind of your standard for you uh, kind of transitioning from Kentucky to Iowa? What kind of buck are you looking for? You know, what are your goals for the 2018 season? One of you said you were 28, right? I'm 28. I am as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember a show called uh, Cartoon of Beavis and Butthead? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So there was an old episode where, I don't know if it was the coach or the principal or somebody, they were like, you cannot speak until school is over. And the episode, they were like crying and they were like, had their teeth clenched and they were like shaking and the faces were turning red. And as soon as the school bell rang, they ran out the door and started, you know, doing their, you know, beavis and butthead laughs. Oh, you yeah. Know? <laughs> um, so the first, and that describes me, my first season in Iowa, I was watching 140 inch bucks, like three year olds walk right underneath my stand. And I'm like thinking about reaching for my bow. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. No, no, no. That's, that's a, that's a three year old. You're in Iowa mm-hmm. now. Like there, there's supposed to be big giant bucks running around out here. You know, you can't shoot those. You can't shoot those. And, and it was like the hardest thing in the world for me, but I can imagine, <laughs> you know, I, I went through a phase, man. I mean, I will say this. 
anytime I go into the timber, my goal is to harvest a mature buck. And if somebody says, oh, well, that's mature in my area, well, that might be a big a big or older deer in your area, but a mature buck is a mature buck. Right. Yep. You know, if he's three and he's the oldest one there, that doesn't necessarily mean he's mature. He might be mature for the area. But every time I go into the timber, I do want to harvest a mature buck. That's my ultimate goal. Four-year-old and up. If I know that I've got a 170 running around and a 150 walks underneath me, Ooh, that's a tough decision that I got to make on the fly. Oh, and, yeah. and I've always joked and said, I'll never kill a 180 if a 160 walks by me first. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm 40 years old. Uh, I don't feel like I have anything I have to prove to anybody other than myself. I'm not saying that if a 145-inch four-year-old walked underneath my stand and, and I snuck into public and I hung this set in a run-and-gun set and I read the topos and in my gut, I'm like, you know what? I really think this ridge is going to produce a deer's going to come through here and I'm going to catch him transitioning from bedding to feeding. And if it all plays out that way and he turns broadside, he might get shot and I'll be equally as happy as if I shot a 200-incher. Oh, for sure. Um, so... You know, I think I think for me, the older I've gotten, you know, it, it is, and not to sound cheesy and cliche, it, it is about the hunt for me. It's about working a strategy and trying to make it play out. Now, yes, I do have lofty goals that I want to kill big bucks. You know, we all do. Oh, yeah. You know, but like I said, I don't have as, I don't feel like I have as much to prove as I did, you know, when I was younger. I feel like I was in competition with everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case anymore. I'm in competition with myself and, you know, I'm a bow hunter. So by nature, I know that as a bow hunter, that's not the best way to to have a wall full of deer, right? Mm-hmm. There's other weapons that you can help and help fill the wall faster. So obviously my mindset is already, I don't care about numbers. You know, it's more about the quality and that doesn't necessarily mean the quality of the antlers. It could be the quality of the hunt, quality of the age, quality of the experience. So that's where it's at for me. I'm right there with you, man. That makes total sense. And it's actually pretty refreshing to hear you say that because most guys are all about the inches and not necessarily about the experience. Sure. I'm about the experience. So that's really cool to hear you say well, that. It, it, it's so frustrating. I mean, we see it on social media so much and it's so annoying. Uh, I had a buddy of mine posted a picture of a buck last year that he shot. And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, you know, so excited, you know. And, and the first comment, what do you score? Next comment, how old is he? Next comment, how far of a shot? Next comment, what broadhead? Uh, next comment, how far did you have to track him? And then you got my comment. Congratulations, dude. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. Exactly. I think you missed a comment in there. I think somebody also commented, uh, which item from Wicked Tree Gear did you use to clear the lanes to shoot that buck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one was I would have liked that comment. <laughs> you know, I, I would have been like, uh, I would have given the like and thumbs up on that one. But yeah, I mean, and, you know, and it, I don't, it's weird, man. I love social media because it connects a lot of people. And, and I've had, I've, like I said, I, I've been able to meet a lot of cool people and, and share experiences and share stories with people. And that's cool. The beauty of social media is you have the option of you can keep scrolling. Mm-hmm. I know it's crazy. You can <laughs> keep scrolling or you can click unfollow. Some people don't exercise that right. They feel the need to leave something negative or to look at it, stare at it, and be like, screw that guy. And You know, when I when I first got into bow hunting and first started filming hunts, you know, here's a fun fact. Like, five years ago, I filmed my first bow hunt ever. Awesome. Nice. I had never... 
filmed a bow kill of mine ever up until five years ago, like well, September of 2013. And, you know, things, you know, I caught some lucky breaks and some things took off for me. I hooked up with a couple of good companies and, 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 and you know, I'm not complaining about how things have gone. But I had one of my buddies, he had been hunting and filming, doing some YouTube stuff, and they even did some Pursuit Channel stuff for a little while, and he was kind of phasing out of it, and he said, man, he's like, you know, you're a good guy, you're dedicated, you're, you're driven, I think, you know, if you stick with this, you know, you things might pan out for you. And of course, I'm just all like, you know, big oh, yeah. eyes and like, yeah, this is awesome, you know, <laughs> and he's like, I want to tell you something, he goes, if you kill a good buck, and you tell 20 of your friends, two of those friends are genuinely going to be happy for you. Yeah. The other 18, as soon as you hang up the phone, they're going to go, screw that guy. Yeah. I hate that guy. Yeah. And it's sad that it's come to that. You know what I mean? So myself, extremely recently, I've gone back to a very, very, very small circle of people, you know? Yeah. No, I feel you on that. And I'm really open with about stuff, you know? Yeah. No, I get you on that. And I feel like we have... A pretty, I would say a small group of guys, but I genuinely feel like every time one of us gets a bow kill or, or anything like that, a kill in general, everybody's so happy for each other and everybody's mm-hmm. so willing to come out. You need help tracking, you know, all that stuff. And it's just, it's really cool to see guys like that and not really guys getting jealous and like, like you said, screw that guy, you know, he yeah. just killed a big buck and I had yeah, it yet. Yeah. No, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think also myself growing up in a hunting family with four brothers that hunt and my dad, or sorry, three brothers that hunt and my dad, you know, we always pulled for one another and you get kind of the satisfaction with one person kills a good buck that you feel almost as if you killed that buck too in a way, you know, that's how I've always felt. At least that's why I think it's so easy for us to, you know, support and get behind guys and, and hope the best for everybody around you. But you, like you said, it's a small group to be honest. Because the larger that group grows, like you said, the more people that are going to tell you one thing to your face and then turn right around and, you know, badmouth you or say, oh, you know, my buck was bigger than that buck. That wasn't that big, you know, or something along those lines. Uh Yeah. Uh, You know, another thing is you you mentioned a lot of great things there. And, uh, you know, one thing we usually ask our guests that I want you to kind of give is uh, maybe your number one tip because you've been through it kind of as a new hunter coming into hunting late in your life and then transitioning from Kentucky to Iowa and basically starting all over again as a bow hunter. Uh, what would be your number one tip for a new bow hunter? Hmm. Number one tip to a, a new bow hunter, just getting into bow hunting or getting into bow hunting in a new area? Either or. Let's just say okay. getting into bow hunting. Maybe. Um, yeah. Okay. Getting, if, if it's getting into bow hunting, it is shoot your bow. Perfect. Be as proficient as you possibly can. Shoot every day. Buy the best. Everybody says, well, what, what's the best bow to buy? Buy the best one you can afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, don't go beyond your means. Buy the best bow that your funds will allow you to buy and get as best as, you know, the best that you can, you know, with that, with that bow. Go with people. Listen, listen to people. There's a lot of YouTube videos that people can watch that teach a lot of stuff, but nothing upon nothing replaces experience. Now, I say that cautiously. I would never want to send a brand new bow hunter out into the timber and he's like, dang, I got busted. I went to draw and I got busted. Ah, man, you know, and then finally they just get frustrated and give up, you know? Mm-hmm. So have a little bit of education, a little bit of training before you go and, and hopefully they understand that what may happen. You know, don't go in. Now, when I say watch shows about bow hunting, don't watch TV shows about yeah. bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Watch 
web shows, watch the ups and the downs. Because as much as I like TV hunting for the entertainment factor, you know, TV hunting sometimes can give a really a false pretense of what is really out there. A lot of times people don't understand that some of these shows they're watching, these guys are hunting managed farms that's 10,000 acres and they have worked their tails off for years and years and years managing these grounds to produce these big deer like they have. And sometimes people don't realize that. They think, oh, that's just, you know, that's not, that's any property you go to. And as we all know, that that's not reality. And, you know, right here close to home in my area, you know, I, I've heard some of the locals, they're like, oh, yeah, that Lee and Tiffany Likoski. And I'm, you know, and I'm always the first one to defend them. And I'm like, look, Lee Likoski's on a tractor at 430 in the morning. He doesn't get off till midnight. Yeah. I mean, that guy works his tail off. Yes, right. he's got he's got a lot of ground, but he works his butt off. You know, he's he's earned, you know, all of those deer, you know, over the years, putting in the time and the money into those plots and, and managing the herd. So, you know, having make sure that a new hunter has expectations correctly. They're not skewed. Be as proficient as you can, because in the moment of truth, your accuracy is probably going to go down just a little bit. So let's make sure it's as good as it can be before buck fever kicks in. Right. And, uh, you know, have a mentor. You know, almost like an apprenticeship with somebody. Identify somebody that's a good woodsman, true woodsman, not just a, a new generation woodsman. Find an older gentleman. You know, those old guys, for example, I picked up a new piece of private and I found an old, old tree stand in this old shagbark, uh, shagbark hickory. I've got a tree stand pretty damn close to that <laughs> because I'm a big believer in what was once a big buck bed will always be a big buck bed. And if that old timer deemed that area to be good enough that he was out there with hammer and nails and nailing two by fours and stuff to the tree. Pretty good reason why he was there. So that's um, super yeah, solid. Listen, advice, to, listen to the old cats. Yeah, that's so solid. You know, I couldn't agree with any of that any more than I do. You know, that's awesome. Well, we're getting closer to time here and I don't want to keep you all night, but one thing we do like to ask guys is not necessarily your biggest buck story, but what's your favorite buck story or favorite deer hunting story? Oh, let's see. It could be even be a doe. I mean, we had John Eberhardt on yeah. last week, and he was talking about a, his first doe that he killed, and that was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Let's see. It's probably going to, you know, I would have to say it was uh, 2013, uh, Kentucky. The gym that I worked out at, there was a guy uh, that I met at the gym, and, and he also uh, was shooting at the local archery shop. And, you know, we, we met, kind of hit it off, and, and he's like, where are you hunting at this year? And I told him, I said, I got this little property, you know, it's not real nice. And he's like, well, I'm hunting a pretty good piece, and I could use a hand out there, you know, scouting it and uh, checking cameras and whatnot. So, well, you know, if you don't mind, I you know, I, I'm in. So we started hanging out and uh, running cameras, and we ended up patterning this buck out early season hunt and this guy he was going to be my cameraman for this hunt and he actually broke his wrist a week before the hunt oh good timing and so he couldn't <laughs> climb trees so I'm, I, I'm like in panic mode i'm like oh dude you can't climb a tree what are we going to do so he's like i think i can i think i can so opening day we go to the spot we go to climb the tree he can't get up the tree <laughs> with a broken broken hand it's in a cast you know oh man I'm like, dude, I will drag you up this tree, you know, like you've got to get up here. So we end up going to a Dick Sporting Goods at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I walked in, of course, it's in hunting season. So Dick's is cleaned out. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing to be had, you know, you can't even find a, a, a screw in bow hanger on the shelf. And <laughs> so they had one ground blind left 
and I'm like, I'll buy it. I didn't even ask the price. I bought it. We took it out there to the timber. We brushed it in. We jumped into the ground blind. It was 98 degrees. And at 6.45, that buck walked past us, and I was able to connect on him. Ended up being a 156-inch uh, whitetail. And that kind of instilled that thinking in me that hunting is not perfect. It's not always going to go as planned. I could have given up and tried something different, but all in the same day, we went to the stand. He couldn't climb. We drove back into town, went to Dick's, descended a ground blind in the parking lot of Dick's, let it air out in the back of my truck all the way there. We brushed it in using wicked saws. We jumped in it. We didn't even have chairs. We were on our, we were on our knees and shot this deer in the middle of the timber out of a, you know, brushed in blind. And, and it's still the biggest buck that I've ever killed in my life. 156 inch buck. That's so, incredible. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. I just think it's just persistence and maybe a little bit of insanity and a little bit of luck. When all that stuff comes together, uh, like I said, that was five years ago, and that's still my most memorable hunt. That's awesome, man. Adapt and overcome. That's what you did, and you got it done, man. Congrats. Yeah, it's awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, and that was the first time that I did, you know, the, it was like I said, it was the first time I'd ever filmed of any kind with a bow, with a gun or anything. And, and so it was all new to me. And, and like I said, you know, going home and watching that hunt over and over again, it, it, it's still a special hunt. And it's cool. It, it happened on September 11th. And, and, you know, being a former cop, September 11th is always a date that, you know, is always very important to me. And uh, there's just a lot of cool things about it, you know, and uh, so it was it was it was real neat. And again, this is a guy that I just met. He didn't have to open up his ground to me. The only thing I brought to the equation was a trail camera. So, um, you know, he could have been a greedy hunter and said, heck, no, you're not hunting here. This is my deer. But, you know, he said, hey, I made a deal. You got the buck on camera. It's your buck. Let's go kill him. That is so awesome. I dig that. Well, I want to be uh, I want to be sensitive to your time. You want to let people yep. out there know where they can find Wicked Tree Gear if they want to buy one or just go learn more about it? For sure. Yes, uh, you can go to Instagram uh, at Wicked underscore Tree underscore Gear. Facebook is just Wicked Tree Gear. Our store is uh, is store dot wickedtreegear.com. Also, many of our awesome fine retailers, Cabela's, Bass Pro, Field and Stream, Dick's, Academy, Midway, and I'm sorry to everybody else that I left out, but we've got a ton of retailers out there that are really awesome. They stock everything. And if anybody wants to check out some hunting photos or follow along with anything that I'm doing personally, they can check out Arrow Wild TV on Facebook. Or I don't do as much on Facebook myself personally, more on Instagram. And it's johnny.utah.hunt, Johnny Utah Hunts. Any fans of the movie Point Break will understand the Johnny Utah reference. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And where can people find the, uh, the show Arrow Wild? Uh, Arrow Wild is on Carbon TV. We also do the episodes straight on Facebook, and and we'll do some funny clips from time to time on our Instagram, uh, which is at Arrow Wild TV. But yeah, Carbon TV and Facebook is the easiest place to watch the episodes. It's the next time I get to Civilization and or Wi-Fi, I'm going to be loading everything to the YouTube channel as well. All of our recent episodes, I just haven't had a chance to do that yet. I've been slacking, but you can find that there and. And we do a ridiculous amount of giveaways. Some of the companies that we work with have been really cool. Uh, we just recently gave away a full Sitka system uh, yesterday. Oh, wow. So, that's super generous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've given away Sitka systems, Ozonics, Black Eagle Arrows, G5, Broadheads. We've given away Luminox, uh, Wicked Tree Gear, Glacier, Tecamani Seed. So we really try to give away as much stuff as possible. And, you know, I get it, man. Like... 
I have weeks, days, months where my checking account is looking pretty grim. Uh, so I can only imagine that other guys are in the same boat from time to time. So if we can help somebody out and it helps them plan a food plot or gives them another tool in their arsenal that helps them have maybe a more successful season, then I'm all about it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's more than generous, man. That's awesome. I know we appreciate it. I know, you know, our listeners are going to appreciate this episode. And I mean, there's no more excuses, everyone. You got to get out there and go buy your sauce. I mean, this this is a yeah. no brainer. Let's uh, let's spice up this podcast here a little bit. You guys give the the rules on entry, and I'm giving up a wicked beast handsaw and a wicked handsaw. Nice. That is awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate that. We'll we'll definitely uh, drill down the rolls and uh, we'll get yep. that going, and then we'll stay in contact with you, and we'll finish that up. But man, thank you so yep. much. We really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I couldn't yeah, appreciate man. that yeah, anymore. You, you guys pick the winner, and just just shoot me over name and address where I need to send it. If you want to do two winners, you know, the hand saw to one guy and the beast to another person, that's fine. Or you can make it a grand prize. They get both saws. Uh, doesn't matter to me, but just let me know. That's awesome. awesome, man. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy, and we just we really appreciate you coming on and talking to people about Wicked Tree Gear. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Like I said, anytime I get a chance to talk to some good hunters, you know, and promote any of the brands that I believe in, you know, it's a great opportunity. So I appreciate you guys very much. Well, let's stay in contact, guys. You guys have already kicked in, so you got a head start on me. But get out there and crush it and. And I expect to see some grip and grin photos soon. <laughs> Let's go, man. Hey, back <laughs> at you, man. I want to see you uh, lay a slammer down in Iowa this year. That's right. I'm telling you. I, I said I told myself this year that the past couple of years I haven't I haven't hunted really the way I want. You know, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, well, you work from home. I bet you get to hunt every day. No, I don't. I work my butt off, you know. So right. I hunt when I can, whether it's a good win or a bad win. If I've got a day off, I, I try to make it happen. But this year, I've already told myself I'm going to hunt more this year than I have the last couple of years. And I'm either going to be burnt out or I'm going to have a hell of a season. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> you got I'm a hell of a game you. plan going, man. I'll tell you that much. It sounds good. I, I'm really rooting for you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I need all, I need all the help and all the luck I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah, man. Dear man. They keep getting smarter. I keep getting dumber. I don't know which. But, uh, I think I'm the second both. one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. man. Y'all have a good one. I'm going to head off to the gym. You too, man. All right, all right. man. Go hit it. Thanks a lot. All right, man. See you guys. Oh, man. A huge thanks to John Mulligan for coming on the podcast. He is the man. Johnny Utah himself, I mean, what a guy. What an episode. This dude just, I don't know. I had such a good time recording this one with him and going back and forth. I I didn't have to look at notes or anything. It just came natural. Like, we were just back and forth and, like, buddies that have known each other for years, I felt. Absolutely. And, you know, I just, I find myself, when we get guys like that on, that just, they, they talk and you just kind of let them go. I find myself not asking questions and I don't want to interrupt the guy either. You know, he's right. just a genuinely good guy and he's talking about the products that he represents and he's talking about deer hunting and I just mm-hmm. like listening, honestly, man. I, I can't help it. Yeah, what a busy guy. What an amazing person. I mean, the stuff he does and what he goes through and he finds time to work out. He finds time to hunt. Man, I don't, I'm unemployed and I can't even find an hour of my day to go to, go to the gym I got like eight hours available in the day, and I still don't go to the gym. I Absolutely. can't believe he, he does everything that he does. 
gets five hours at the most. That John, was his high you got to get more than five hours of sleep, man. my man. I mean, I know everyone's <laughs> built different. Some people only require so many hours of sleep, but dude, I mean, that thing, that's going to catch up to you eventually. I understand it because he's grinding. He's a business. Well, he's, you know, he's pretty much butt. a business owner. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? For what he does and how involved he is. He is. He's kicking ass. He's taking names, and man, he's getting it done. Yeah, he is, man. Now, let's get to the part where everybody is super excited for the giveaway. So, John was, I mean, absolutely amazing for going ahead and giving away a wicked tough handsaw. It's a $30 value, guys, and a wicked beast handsaw, $50 value. I mean, these are two items that he is going to give away. So, we're going to pick two winners. The rolls to the giveaway. Number one, you have to follow Wicked Tree Gear's page on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, it's Wicked underscore Tree underscore Gear, and Facebook, it's Wicked Tree Gear. Number two, you have to share our episode post with John Mulligan's episode number 13 on Facebook. And then number three, you have to comment on our Instagram post, Johnny Utah is the man, and tag at wicked underscore tree underscore gear you do all three of those things i know it's a lot obviously we want to get wicked tree gear out there to everybody we know we want to spread their name we want them to be heard we're customers you and you and i now i mean for life absolutely you know i don't have a wicked tree gear saw after this episode i'm gonna get one i'm bummed that i can't win that one i am too that's the first (laughs) thing i said you know one of you guys is gonna be lucky enough to win one well, two of you guys are gonna be lucky enough yep. to win those saws, and you know, after listening to him talk about those, both of those are crazy products. I mean, you guys are gonna love them. They come with a lifetime warranty, so this is literally the last saw you will ever buy. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that, that sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The guy's been using his own saw for four years now. Yeah, under the same blade and everything, and he uses come it on, way man. more than we would use it. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The typical hunter around here, I'm, I'm going to imagine I'm a typical hunter, maybe even more. I might have 10 stand locations. A lot of those stand locations I've used in the past and they're already cleared. Yep. You know what I mean? This year I might do a little more run and gun, so I may use it more. But for the most part, you're rarely using your saw. You know, oh, yeah. maybe maybe a limber here and there, uh, but in public land, you can't really use it. You know, I, I, I do, just so you know, a little bit. No, you don't. No, I don't. No, you don't. I only move dead stuff out of the way. Correct. Yeah. No, nothing live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I I use my saw quite a bit, and I go through saws quite a bit. Yeah. And now that I know about Wicked Tree Gear and, and this saw, I'm, I'm totally pumped to have a saw for one saw for the rest of my life. Absolutely. So everybody go out there, check out Wicked Tree Gear. Even if you don't win, head on over, man. Check out their saws. If you buy one, you're not going to be buying a new saw every three years. Right. If you break it, they're going to replace it. They got a lifetime warranty. Go over, check them out. Check out John on his Instagram and his Facebook. Say, hey, I'm sure he'd love it. You know, just I'm really hoping you guys enjoy this episode as much as we did. It was awesome. Yeah, so if you did like our episode, um, you know, big thing for us is if you can give us a, a five-star rating and a review, any kind of review, something you want to hear, what you like about the podcast, you know, we really appreciate that. You can also send us an email, uh, Austin, if you want to cover our email and our, our social media stuff real quick. I sure will, kind sir. <laughs> as always, you guys can find us at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast at gmail.com. Send us over an email. 
Even if it's a pro, if it's a con, we want to hear from you. You can also find us at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast on Instagram and also Facebook. You can also find us on YouTube now at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. Go over and uh, check it out. Well, thanks, guys. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. I know I did. I know Austin and I had a blast recording it. So it was awesome. Thank you all for listening. Uh, You know, get out there. Good luck to you this hunting season. I know the season has started by the time this come out. Uh, We want to see some pictures. You guys are getting it done out there. Send them our way. I'm pumped to see it. Absolutely, man. The distraction's real. The distraction, my friends, is so very real. (laughs) 